Almighty God, for word read, we thank you for the privilege of gathering together to hear it read and preach. We praise you. And now, as it is about to be preached, we pray that the good news of the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ, who was sent as a gift to die for us, that we may have life, this good news will touch our hearts and encourage us this morning. This we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Amid all the challenges in the world, the war in Ukraine, in Palestine, in Myanmar and other places, our own personal struggles and in our country, we gather together to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. But at the same time, we also look to the second coming of Christ, that we wait for him with hope in Christ. A similar situation was faced 700 years before Christ was born by the people of God. And today's Old Testament reading, Isaiah is tasked to convey a special promise to this people of God, who also faced tremendous political and economic situation. Their country was in decline and soon will be taken over. The temple will be destroyed and they will be sent away in exile. But for now, though the situation at that time still remained tolerable, yet all the signs were very evident that, uh, that disaster was looming ahead. So what will happen to the people of God? And so we find in the readings that God gave a promise God gave a word to Isaiah and God said, say this to the people. And when you read the passage, it says, Isaiah chapter 62, verse 6, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night, they shall never be silent. Therefore, God is not silent. And God will use the people of God themselves, will equip them to be watchmen, to help them, and to be able to strengthen them. So God places people in our midst, even during such challenging times. That's one promise. And then there is this uh, uh, encouragement. And as I was reading it, I was tickled, you know. I have a sense of humor, and sometimes uh, not appropriate. <laughs> But I was tickled by this. Eh? And he says, eh, the promise, and this is what the Lord says, you who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest. And so he's saying, you, the people of God, you know, you, you come to the Lord and you put the Lord in remembrance. You say, ah, Lord, remember, you said that you will put watchmen over our walls, that you will take care of us. Eh? And further down, eh, uh, it says that, in verse uh, 11, say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Lord, you said our salvation will come, Lord. Okay. So you who put the Lord in remembrance, which means remind him 
take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. So it's interesting. He's telling the people of God, you know, don't give God a break. <laughs> you know, this is my promise. You know, your salvation comes. Behold, your salvation comes. Lord, you said that. So now we, in the midst of all these things and our own struggles, you know, so take no rest. Implore to the throne of grace, come to him and, and make your prayers known. Give God no rest. You're praying and, and you are talking to God all the time and, and therefore it's like God has no rest, you know. <laughs> so that is the fervency that we engage God until he comes again. And so to these people, 700 years before Christ was born, before the promise was fulfilled, the contemporary of Isaiah, who is Micah, in Micah chapter 5 verse 2, he says the Savior will be born in Bethlehem, the city of David. Micah chapter 5 verse 2. Both are contemporaries. And so the people of God were encouraged that there will be a Savior, that God has promised but they didn't know they have to wait almost 750 years. <laughs> they didn't know. But during that span of time, in the midst of being taken away as exiles, in the midst of the temple being virtually destroyed and displaced people, and generation after generation after generation, the people waited. But how, how, was it that in their hearts they were able to keep this hope because this room, this room was created in their hearts. This space was created in their hearts and saying there is room for a saviour and the space was created through prayer to almost, you know, charging to the throne of God and saying, God, we hold you to your promise. You said you will do this. Lord, please do it. Lord, our spirits are yearning and we are hoping. Lord, we are almost at our wit's end in our life situation. Lord, please come. Let your salvation come. And so that kind of engagement creates space in the lives of the people of God. So for 700 plus years, and this was alive in their hearts. And if you're familiar with the uh, New Testament, you will know that people like uh, Simeon, waiting in the temple, who God has told him, he will not die until he sees the Savior. And then when he saw the infant Jesus, and he gave praise to God, and now, when she saw Jesus, she gave praise to God. And so Mary and Joseph too, they were prepared. They were waiting for a savior. Little did they know that they themselves would play a significant role. And so for 700 years, there was room in the hearts of the people of God. And when God, and when it came, when the time came for God to send his son, People were ready. Are we ready? Is there room for 
Christ and God's promises and God's word in our lives to shape us? Let us look at Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 21. How it shaped the lives of individuals, of families and communities. In Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 21, we see the account of Jesus' birth. So after 700 years, we find that the Roman Empire, Caesar, wants to establish and, and, and show the people that he is Caesar, that he is God, and through him comes peace, Pax Romana. And that it is in his kingdom that peace will be given and peace exists. And so, to hammer the point in, everyone in scholars tell us maybe 14 years, a census is called. And the census is good news for the businessmen, the politicians. It's very good news for them. They make money. The military has extra people to roll them in, to, cons to conscript them as soldiers, to wage war. And so we find that the census was good news to the elite, but it was not such good news for the poor and for the citizens who are under the rule of the Roman Empire. It is a burden financially. People need to travel back to their hometowns and sheep needs to be taken care. So the census is a reminder to the Jews that Caesar is not only king, but God, and that they are in his kingdom. But remember to the faithful, Isaiah's promise, as they storm the throne of God with their prayers, Lord, politically this is the situation. Things have become so intolerable for us. It has become so intolerable for us. Oh Lord, you know, where is this Savior? Send this Savior. And so in their hearts, because there is room for this promise of God and they are not distracted. And they look forward to God for their salvation. And that's what happened. And so we find Mary and Joseph believed in God's word and revelation. And they made that travel from Nazareth to Jerusalem, about 80 to 90 miles. And they made that travel, Mary bearing the child and about time the child to be delivered. But they had to make that journey. Now, I think Mary and Joseph, while they were traveling, though it is difficult and dangerous, and yet they will be thinking, what wonderful providence that we are actually going back to our hometown, which is Bethlehem, which is the city of David. And the Lord has told us that this infant is the Messiah. And isn't it true in Micah chapter 5 verse 2 that our scripture says that the Savior will be born in the city of David, Bethlehem, and we are going to that city. And this census is at the right time. How wonderful. So my dear brothers and sisters, sometimes 
it, however intolerable or unfavorable or unfair or unjust certain situations are at work, in the marketplace, in our homes, in our private lives, remember that God is still in control. Remember that God will work His purposes out through those things. But is there room in your heart for the Lord Jesus that He is God, that He has forgiven you, that He loves you unconditionally, that He is there to guide you? And if so, then storm the throne of grace by your prayers. Make known to Him and say, Lord, you have said this. You have born 2,000 years ago and you said you'll come again. I wish, Lord, you'll come right now so all the problems are solved, all those injustices and all the tyrants and bad guys get their just deserts, as it were. I wish you'll come soon or you come, you have come yesterday. Sometimes you feel like that or at least my wife feels like that. You know, I wish Christ will come now, you know, sort out everything. But we storm the gates and the room is created in our hearts with the hope and love of Christ that will guide us. Yeah? And when we look at the shepherds, we see the shepherds also are not ordinary shepherds because the shepherds just in Bethlehem, the shepherds take uh, watch over the land which are specifically prepared for the Passover feasts in Jerusalem temple. Bethlehem is very close by to Jerusalem and therefore the lambs there, because of its close vicinity, uh, they will not be uh, hurt or any limbs be broken or blemished huh? and they will be taken care very carefully. And these shepherds know what it means to take care of the lamb, the sacrificial lambs. And how wonderful as they are taking care of these sacrificial lambs, the angels come and say that this Savior is born and we know that he will die. He is the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God given for us, that his blood will wash away our sins. And what great what a great thing it is for us as we read the passage and see these shepherds who were looking after sacrificial lambs. The angels have come to them and shared the news of the birth of the Lamb of God himself to these shepherds. My dear sisters and brothers, I want to encourage you. Whatever job or situation in life you are in, you know, Sometimes you may feel like the shepherds who bother about the shepherds. And they are, in, in those days, the shepherds were not respected. They were kept out. And yet, God has his purposes in your life. And as through the shepherds, he announced the birth and did a great thing in them. And the shepherds went and saw and then went out to the community proclaiming the birth and the arrival of the Messiah. The first people who did that 
who went out and proclaimed the birth and the arrival of the Messiah long before John the Baptist, long before John the Baptist did it. What a wonderful thing it is. And so we take courage, we, we, I take great uh, encouragement from the fact that the shepherds are able to do this. What more in my life situation, when I look at my life situation as if, you know, set aside, put away, not appreciated, treated unjustly, but God will do great things in my life. And I want to encourage you in this Christmas that what happened to the shepherds can happen to you, will happen to you. That is the promise. And so storm the throne of grace through your prayers. Give God no rest. <laughs> you know, make sure you remind God, not that God needs reminding, <laughs> but looking at the poetical language in Isaiah, you know, you know, call to remembrance <laughs> and then go and give him no rest because in doing so, hope is renewed, revived, refreshed uh, and our assurance becomes more firm, uh, more firm. Okay? And so what a wonderful way to receive this Christmas news. And when Paul was writing to his uh, to his uh, disciple Titus. He was writing to him. Titus was having a tough time with his church. And there are members who are rebellious. There were members with false teachings. There were members who challenged his leadership. And so Titus may have felt, you know, I have been tutored by Paul, you know. <laughs> I may be better than some of them, but these guys, I'm young, and these guys are older than me. I'm way above my, it's way above my pay grade, you know. So, Paul writes to Titus and Paul tells him. Yeah? And, and the gist of it is that, first he says, you know, teach them with the right teaching. And then, our reading today, it says, basically, do not consider yourself better than the others because whatever good things that you have or you attribute because you have known Christ, you are not following the old ways, you have now become re regenerated, re refreshed. But remember, it is purely by the grace of God. It's purely by the grace of God. So don't, so treat the others with love. That's the implication of the passage, of those words. Treat the others with love. Have you ever thought and read those words in that manner? Titus and, 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 and Paul is telling Titus. And the, the temptation for Titus to feel, you know, hey, these guys are terrible. They don't know the scripture properly. They, they are talking nonsense. They are causing disunity. Unnecessary arguments and discussions, you know. And they still haven't changed. They haven't changed their behavior. But Paul is writing and telling Titus, Titus, remember, there but for the grace of God, you are not like them, but remember, it is purely by the grace of God. And so Titus 
is encouraged and I am encouraged looking into the reading just to pick up so that being justified by his grace we might become as according to the hope of eternal life so Paul is telling look to the eternal life look ahead for the second coming the completion of this salvation plan and then with that move on so we ask ourselves do we have room for the savior so how do we make this room from the passage in isaiah and the reflections in luke and titus we see that we need to hold on to god's word that we need to gather together to encourage each one with the gospel that christ has died for us that christ has forgiven us that through this our sins are washed and that we have eternal life and that christ will come again and then all the injustice all the unfairness and evil will be addressed and so we look forward we we are not distracted by all these things and we are encouraged to go and and do all that we can do in whatever situation in life that we are in and this is good news so again do we have room for the savior can we make more room for the savior in places where it is not very clean i'd like to uh, conclude this sermon by inviting all of us to sing this lovely song no room for the baby at bethlehem in i like the song and it dovetails very well to the sermon title today room for the savior so i invite you to sing this song prayerfully god bless you blessed and merry christmas to you